This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Respecting the individuality and thoughts of children is at the heart of Christina's work. Guiding our children with respect and curiosity allows them to feel heard, seen, and valued. When our lives are framed with curiosity, problems can seem more like puzzles, she adds. Valeria Tellis interviews Christina Forgeron, a family academic coach, consultant, writer, and speaker. Christina Forgeron has been a creative and passionate professional in education for almost 30 years, working with children and their parents from grades 2 to 9 on three different continents in private, public, and homeschooling environments. She has been a coach, a teacher, a vice principal, an award-winning singer-songwriter, and most recently, a wife, mother, and entrepreneur. After 13 years in the Middle East, Christina returned home to Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada with her South African husband, Chris, and eight-year-old son, Jake. As an experienced educator and parent, Christina was interested in exploring the role of the parent in their child's education. Christina believes that parents are their children's first and most important educational leaders. With this in mind, she started a company called Bolster Family Academic Support, offering family academic coaching. For parents whose children are starting school, she provides support, long-term coaching, and a framework for success. For parents who struggle with education at home, Christina works with the parents and their children to clearly identify what is at the heart of the challenge, to discuss solutions, and to create a plan for success. Coaching is a non-judgmental and effective method for identifying and solving challenges in both parents and their children. This August, she is very excited to announce the launch of the Bolster Hub, an international online platform for parents who want non-judgmental support, professional advice, regular workshops, and webinars, as well as coaching. As parents, we can learn from each other, as well as from research and educational professionals, how to lead our children's education with wisdom and confidence. Meet Christina at bolsterfamilies.com. Here's the interview with Christina Forgeron. In your own words, who is Christina Forgeron? Christina Forgeron is a searcher who embraces life as it comes to her. I am fascinated with identity and have been since I was very young as a member of a family in which I have three older brothers. 
understanding who the young artist girl within that within that group of four was, I think, caught my attention very early. And that combined with how I made sense of the world around me, which naturally led to thinking about learning and thinking about how I receive information and, and how I put out information. And I remember having thoughts at a very young age about, about this. Yeah. What is another word for learning? That is a great question. What is another word for learning? Living. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. Living. That makes so much sense. Once we have nothing to learn, then there's no life. Oh, that might be the end of what we call enjoyment. I associate learning with enjoyment, with joy even. It gets me excited every time I learn anything new in a very deep way. Different than happiness, of course. Very different than the idea of happiness. And uh, on that note, I, I just... What a shame for children in school who associate learning with structure and with it being a drag. And that's not that's not a slight on, on the school system. What I what I mean to say is learning is this energizing, eye opening discovery system. And um, when we associate learning only with school, I think our children really miss out on what learning really is. And it might take them a really long time to get there in their adult lives and realize, oh, actually learning is <laughs> learning is essential and I do it every day. But uh, that's something I combat with my son who's eight. The word learning, as soon as that word comes up, um, eyes, eyes might roll from, from time to time. So yeah. What do you think is, or what do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Why are we here? That is a question that I, I don't feel qualified in my own journey to answer. Perhaps I haven't figured that out. I think we, we go through our days trying to find our gifts and put them into action. And I guess I feel for me as one little human moving through the world, if I can access my gifts each day mm. and understand them and find them in my own mind and in the world, then I feel I'm living my life to its purpose. What is your gift or what is the purpose of your life at this time, Christina? Well, it's the the marker continues to move. Yeah, right. I can imagine. <laughs> I feel uh, I feel I have a, a gift for connection yeah. um, with people, and I feel I have a gift for for connection with children in many ways. In terms of understanding that we all learn differently, and the frustrations that may come with trying to learn within the walls of someone else's idea. Mm. of how we learn. Um, yeah. I really understand that and I empathize. I was um, an adult diagnosed with ADD at the, at the, in my mid-20s. And so that, that really opened up my mind to the idea that there are lots of children who move through the school system who just have a dynamic way of understanding, of processing, of internalizing. And anything that we can do to, as educators and that I can do to connect a child to something that helps them understand better, that I, I think is my purpose. <laughs> when you speak about education at home, 
Is that something that you have done for yourself or have researched? Talk to me about your experience with both school education and education at home. Um, are you referring to the education of my own son? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. So just just to bring it to me in my career first, yeah. I was uh, I became a teacher in '94 and worked in the school public school system in Canada for 13 years. I also went to England during that time and worked in their public school system. And following that, I went and worked internationally in the Middle East in private schools, and that was yet another type of um, of teaching. And following that, the last chapter in my career was that I ran a school in the Middle East in, in Riyadh to for students who, who weren't accepted in the private school system due to learning challenges. And so I designed the curriculum for them and their evaluation and sort of brought learning to life for them in my home each day. So I feel as a professional, I've I've done quite a lot of, I've worked within many different systems and have been exposed to public and private and, yeah. and at home. Um, in terms of my own son, my own son is attending uh, private school here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And of course, along with every parent on the planet, I homeschooled him for many periods of time over the last year and a half. Right, and, right. and despite almost 30 years as a teacher, that was challenging. Yeah. And I guess that's what led me to where I am now is that we all, this is hard for all of us. Yeah. And if we can learn to bring learning to life within ourselves as parents and to embrace learning on those days when I was with my son and homeschooling and frustrated and having things to do and it not going well. I feel those were the days I lost sight of my own inner learner. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I, I've, I've learned a lot from that experience um, from homeschooling my own son. I will go back to uh, asking you more questions about what you do, Christina. But before that, let me ask you a question about success. What is your idea of success these days? And what are some of the misconceptions we have about success? Oh, that's such a great question. And thank you for asking me that, because I, I, I feel that's an important question for educators yeah. to think about and for parents to think about when they think about their own children. So to me yeah. personally, success feels like being self-actualized. It feels mm-hmm. like your eyes are closed and someone else is at the wheel. And when I've had moments like that, when I've been teaching where, and, and it's not, it's not consistent. It's not every day, but, but there are moments when, when I feel, I hardly even remember that lesson I just taught because it, it was such a natural experience from all of my being that, that, that was brought forward. Um, so I think in those moments, you know you're on the right path. You know that you're accessing your gifts, and you know that um, you are self-actualized and successful. And what are some of the misconceptions you think we have as society, United States, Canada? What are some of the misconceptions we have as cultures about success? What comes to mind when I hear misconception? I I think judgment personally, and I think that we all. Have are entitled to our own definition of success. And that is the beauty of the world that we live in. Um, So from my perspective, 
if we are to self-actualize ourselves and set our goals with the intent to to bring our gifts into the world and and to create positive movement forward for something broader than ourselves, then we are on the right track. And as for the rest, I, I, I leave that to, to the discretion of everybody else who has their own story in the world and their own yeah. set of motivations. When you talk about doing something that's bigger than ourselves, it always makes me think about spirituality, because this is um, the realm of the spirit, per se, uh, for those who believe in all the components of what makes up a human being, the physical, mental, emotional, and the spiritual. Do you have any spiritual beliefs or practices, Christina? I do. I'm a practicing Roman Catholic and um, have have gone through different phases of the intensity of that practice throughout my life, but certainly having a family and uh, recognizing a, a bigger picture, again, the world a little bigger than myself. And uh, so we practice as a family together, and I feel that's a great that's a great gift. Yeah, yeah, it is. Even as a family, right, thinking beyond ourselves in that sense, that's a great practice, I agree. So I have a fun question to ask you. I think it's fun from my perspective. What do you love most about being in a human body? Wow. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. What do I love about being in a human body? <laughs> yes. Oh, the possibility. It's the Olympics right now. <laughs> yeah, so right. <laughs> that, that is, wow. If anything shows us <laughs> that we possibly are not living to our full capacity within our human bodies. <laughs> Right. It's watching right. um, Andre Degas one uh, winning the uh, the two hundred meter running race. I think it's completely exciting to look at uh, our lives within our bodies and how we possibly limit ourselves every single day to what mm. to what we can do. I know I'm forty nine so and uh, so I need to start stretching more and <laughs> taking care of that thing taking care of my body so that it's kind to me. Uh, The kinder I am to it now, the more kind it will be to me later. And um, finding a role for that, I think as you move into middle age, for me, that, that starts to become more significant. We live limited lives for some reason. What do you think gets in the way mostly when it comes to limitations, Christina? I think we get in our own way. I think we yeah, we yeah. are our history, our yeah. inability to let go, um, and perhaps yeah. perhaps our inability to understand until mm-hmm. we are thrust into an experience that that provides that opportunity for us. I think it's really important in life to take chances and to get out of your comfort zone so that you can access the things that perhaps um, are a little out of your reach in terms of being cognizant of who you are and what you're doing. So I I think that journey never stops. (laughs) So my last warm-up question is about freedom. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? It's, I think it's the same thing as being successful. It is uh, being self-actualized. Good old Maslow had it right, right on the top there. Yeah, I think living your life every day using your gifts. If you're able to do that, you are free. And I don't take that for granted because that requires, I mean, the fact that I'm able to to do what I'm doing right now meant I had to give up full-time teaching and 
dental plan and and take a chance. And it's scary. And I am very fortunate to be able to do that. I don't take that for granted for one day. So the fact that I have the freedom to live my gifts is to me the ultimate uh, form of freedom. You started a company called Boster Family Academic Support. And you also have, now this month of August, you launched the Boster Hub. So talk to me about the intention, the purpose, and the inspiration to what uh, we have been talking, seems to me, but that, more specifically, the inspiration and the intention, and also how it works. Okay. So Bolster Family Academic Support was, uh, I began that in November of 2020 during the craziness of the world. And um, it was my husband's idea because I was contemplating what I was going to do for a career and going back into the public school system was an, an option and, and one that I wasn't particularly excited about at that point. Um And so he suggested, look, there's so many parents out there that are struggling. How can you help them? And um, so I got to thinking about that and and did some market research and and polled people that are close to me and, and others and discovered that people need connection when they are struggling and um, that people were feeling a lot of anxiety. Now, that's during COVID and I'm out, you know, hopefully our world is, is moving out of COVID. But I don't feel that really changes. I think as parents, we carry a lot. We carry the burden of this full-time job of raising our children and making sure that they have what they need to be the adults that we know they can be. And so to foster confidence in parents became my goal, confidence and connection. Um, so how could I do that? So the two things that I thought I would do, one was to create a coaching service. And I've I've recently, I'm currently in a coaching course, an internationally accredited coaching course. And I am I'm learning the the beauty and the art and the power behind the question and how when we enter into a relationship where you present a challenge and I meet that challenge with questions from an educated place that can help you move along in your journey, you are positioned as the expert. You are the expert as a parent. There is no one who knows your child better. And so to hire somebody to come in and in my coaching service, my goal is to position the parent as the expert and to guide that process with them to relieve anxiety. You work as a guide. Um, I love that idea because I have seen that mothers, parents in general, they do feel overwhelmed and not able to do the work of parenting. And that's interesting to see. And I love the way you talk about asking questions. And then it's even more interesting if we redirect those questions to ourselves, understanding our own selves first in order to understand a child. And modeling that too. I love this idea of being what we want to teach. And it's definitely your case, being what you want to guide or coach. That's coming from a place of the confidence that you speak of. To me, it comes from that place of being what you want to see out there. And I love the connection component too, because that's crucial. Learning from one another, right? That is 
I mean, it's priceless to me, <laughs> this collaboration work of learning from one another. So, well, so Bolster Hub is the other sort of branch of service that that I provide. And um, Bolster Hub is opening on August 10th online. Bolster Hub is I'm so excited about it because it's a media, it's a meeting place online for parents. It's uh, facilitated by myself and other educators, and um, it's a membership platform. So you come in, you join. It's private. You set up your profile as you would on something like Facebook, uh, but it's not Facebook. And um, within this community is a safe place for you to put your concerns, your worries, your ideas, your suggestions to respond to others. And that, to me, is huge. That without anything else, that little community, to me, is such a gift. But in addition to that, I also offer monthly webinars, um, mindfulness sessions, and weekly videos to inspire resources. And I'm just, I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited to connect with parents who want to explore that role of guiding their children in education. Let's talk for a moment about your philosophy, the learning cortex, curiosity, literacy, numeracy, and respect. If you can talk to me about each of these components, which respect you have not actually created, it's not one of the talking points because it's um, underlines or it's uh, weaving um, throughout the curiosity part, literacy and numeracy. But for the audience, Talk to me about these four components. Oh, okay. I'm very excited to talk about the learning quartet. So the learning quartet is it was and is a work in progress for me. I'm I'm trying to frame how parents can think about what learning looks like at home. So that homework and all the things that come with having your child in a school system become maybe a little less stressful if there is an established way to communicate with your child about learning. And it's an exciting component already. So it begins with curiosity. And curiosity to me is essential. And it has to begin with the parent. So adopting curiosity in your daily life. One of my favorite strategies is waking up in the morning and saying to myself, what am I curious about today? That simple question, it gets your brain going. What am I curious about? And then, and then you ask that to an eight-year-old. And next thing you know, your day becomes an opportunity to search for that thing, whatever that thing is, or whatever that question is. So laying the groundwork of curiosity is really important. And curiosity in, in recent research is considered one of the three pillars of uh, academic performance. And so it's a very important part of, of learning. Now, you add that in with sort of if the education system had two backbones, one would be literacy and one would be numeracy. Those the integration of those two things in the in the education system. If if parents can focus on that when they are trying to, to make meaning learningful at home and develop learning opportunities, literacy and numeracy. And so I provide ways to bring that into your life that are that are fun, that don't require you to be necessarily organized or um, have an account on Pinterest where everything looks looks great. Um, and, and, and hey, no offense to those that do, because I, I, I use Pinterest all the time for other people's ideas. But if you're not inclined to, you know, have an aesthetically pleasing learning environment at home, you're more gritty, which I certainly am. I, I, I like to try to come up with ways to just just make it part of what your home is about. 
and adopt that. Um, and within all of that, I think it's important when I'm talking with parents is that if learning becomes a top-down situation, then 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 it's not really learning. And when school is a top-down situation and when homework is a top-down situation, and by that I mean like a, a transactional kind of leadership where one person is telling the other person how it's going to go, that is how conflict arises and how anxiety arises. And so it's bubbling up from the bottom and it's learning how to communicate and learning what the child needs and who they are and how they move and what they need, and then getting a little bit out of the way so that they can do that thing, set them up to do the thing they need to do. Uh, so that is that to me is how we build a home environment that is lively and fosters excitement for learning. I was wondering if you can replace or give me another phrase, another question that could replace, what am I curious today about? What am I curious about today? So how could I replace that, that phrase? I'm, I'm wondering because some people around me, they don't really understand the word curiosity. And I'm, I'm really surprised, I, I am surprised and was surprised to know that. So yeah, I guess I'm, I'm looking for a different word that could inspire other people to, or children to to see more, to open up to learning. Is there another word, Christina, that comes to mind? Yeah, wonder. Wonder is bigger than curiosity. Wonder, you know, has its derivation in, in awe. And, um, but we, you know, in modern day, we use wonder as in contemplating something. I wonder what the weather's like today. Um, but, but if you ask someone anything you're wondering about today or what's on your mind today, What's on your mind? Did you wake up with any thoughts, any hanging, any hanging questions from yesterday? Or, you know, it's anything that uh, that leads me to to actually introduce the, the little idea when we're communicating with our kids and we want to access what's on their mind. Just that simple question of what's on your mind today. You don't know where that's going to go. And I would highly encourage parents to bring that question into part of the way you communicate with your child somewhat regularly. If it's overused, it loses its power. But when you're in a safe place with your child, uh, this is a, it's a coaching technique and a parent as a coach is a pretty powerful positioning. So if you can say to your child, anything on your mind today, can I talk to you about anything and stay, stay completely open to whatever is about to come without judgment And when they tell you what's on their mind today, you answer that possibly with, and what else? Or tell me more about that. So again, the curiosity replacing the judgment and the curiosity jumping in there to build connection between your, you and your child. Yeah. I like that, uh, that we learn to communicate in a way that is, it creates connection and not the opposite. Judgment is judgment and uh, projecting and um, shaming are, th are three things that really curtail 
meaningful learning at home. And I say that because I know that, because I do that. I've got a lot of experience as an educator and not a lot of experience as a parent. And I'm on that journey with every other parent that is that is trying to do a better job every day than they did yesterday to foster this meaningful learning that I'm talking about is to become aware of how we interfere sometimes with our own projections, with our own fears. They don't have a lot of fears when they're young and we impose them upon them and and quite willingly and quite frequently. So um, I have another question for you. What has been your greatest challenge as a parent, Christina? My greatest challenge as a parent is getting out of the way. Right. Is is for me regulating my own stuff so that it's I'm not projecting mm. or, or I'm not shaming. Um, shame is such a crippling, such a crippling, what do we call that? Feeling, I guess. And we do it. I'm going to use the first person. I do it so effortlessly without without realizing yeah. Um, by placing a judgment on something and phrasing it in such a way that makes my son feel bad. And yeah. it's not yeah. out of my mouth and I realize it. And so that to me is my biggest challenge is replacing my judgment with curiosity every day. And, yeah. and I wake up every day and I try to do it a little <laughs> better than I did yesterday. So can you give me an example of that? What would the look like that uh, shame communication style? Sure, sure. I can I can give you many many examples. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, wow. So so shame shame creeps in. Shame creeps in um, as a parent. It creeps in sometimes with that almost always without us realizing. Shame can be public when you um, admonish your child publicly. And hey, sometimes that's necessary. I'm, I'm right. quite a disciplinarian. Um, and I believe in structure and rules and respect for others. So it's not to say that, that I think my son should do whatever he pleases. Um, but again, it's that piece of me getting out of the way and taking my, mm-hmm. my judgment out of that. So shame in my house can look like this. There's a beautiful toy that my son is using. It's a puzzle. It's called the Perplexus. And um, it's got a hundred little, it's a ball that rolls around this bigger ball. And there's a hundred little puzzles or challenges in it. I know that's very hard to picture, but um, the Perplexus, it's a great, great toy for kids. Um, We were using that together off and on for a couple of weeks. We were kind of addicted to it and trying to get up to past level 31. and, And then my son lost interest. And I took that a little personally. And, and I don't know why I did that. I mean, there's no need for that. But And I made a comment to him, something like, well, you don't even pick that up anymore. Maybe we should just put that away. And, you know, it's something I can't even remember the word. It's something small. Right, right, but what right. it does is it removes his ownership over whatever he was doing with this toy. It removes mm-hmm. his journey, removes his connection, and it replaces it with mine. And And then he feels badly. I've made him feel bad about that choice that he made as his own distinct mm-hmm. individual to right. not pursue that. And so it's about respecting his choices and knowing that I am a different person than he is. And I learn differently. Another thing might be how he makes his bed or, you know, shame can be transferred in a look. Mm, wow. And and look, yeah. hey, we 
again, we as parents have our looks and we need those looks across the table when there's something inappropriate happening and there's coming, you know, it's not to say we, we aren't disciplining. It's disciplining without putting ourselves and our judgment in the middle of that, but looking at rather just at the behavior and mm, take the bed, yeah. for example. So I might make a comment about the bed, like um, an offhanded comment, like, um, you know, you can do better. Now, the kid is eight and he got up and made his bed in the morning. And that's pretty cool. In the hurry of my day, I missed that part. And I went straight mm. to it wasn't done very well. And I shamed him for that. So mm. it's a simple, <laughs> I'm not making myself sound like a very good parent here, but, <laughs> but hey, you know, this is, this is what it is to me. And this is actually what inspires me to do yeah. bolster. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's getting, oh, I, getting out of the way. I usually talk about um, and write about unconditional self-love as the foundation for well-being. Do you ever kind of came across this idea, this practice of loving and being gentle and compassionate toward yourself as a mother? Have you practiced that? I have not. And I am extremely privileged to have a very good friend and colleague named Melissa King, who's going to join our Bolster community and offer self-compassion seminars once a month. And um, I am really looking forward to that because I am incredibly hard on myself and uh, and I know I'm not alone. So I think this is very important. Um, Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a big one because once we learn to be compassionate toward ourselves, then it's easier (laughs) to do the same with others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. So thank you for doing what you do, bringing all these pieces, components together, creating this environment of clarity in this space that we can learn to be more loving and more peaceful. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving or losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Nope. I I would not. (laughs) Really quick. No. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Hmm, No regrets. No. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, I love every time I hear that from my guests. I don't know. I don't know if it means I have no regrets. I think it just means that I'm 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 resigned to them. (laughs) Uh, Right. So they are important. Yeah, that's that's a, a place of clarity. Even it doesn't matter what's happening or the way it has been. I'm okay. I'm good with who I am. Actually, that sounds very much like a space of unconditional self-love or unconditional love to hear you saying that. So the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know that learning is energizing. I know that we all learn differently. And I know that in order for the world to be a better place for the individual, they need to understand who they are as a learner, what their gift is, and how to put that into practice in their life. So, so true. Thank you so much again, Christina, for your wisdom. Yeah, your work. I love the way, how enthusiastic I can hear in your voice is this energy that you speak of, of learning energy. It's in your voice too. So thank you so much for your presence. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, products, and future projects? 
Oh, thanks for asking. Bolsterfamilies.com. <laughs> I also send out a weekly newsletter and you can, you can subscribe to that from my website. Uh, joining the Bolster Hub, which is open on August 10th. And we have a workshop coming up to help parents prepare for school at the beginning of September. You can find more information about that on bolsterfamilies.com. I would love to connect with anyone in your audience who wants to talk about learning. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye for now, Christina. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Christina Forgeron and her work, please visit bolsterfamilies.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.